Jim Stroud fights to save America from the woke agenda by exposing the left and inspiring right turns with facts and informed opinions. Prepare yourself for intriguing interviews, political snark, and social commentary from a patriotic and conservative perspective. And it all starts in three, two, one. The Things I Think About podcast begins now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Things I Think About podcast. I'm your host, Jim Stroud. And with me, as always, is a very special guest. Special guest, tell us, who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is IQ Rasuli, which is, of course, a pen name because the subject of Islam uh, requires a lot of protection. They will kill you at the drop of a hat just to find you. And I'm one number one on their list because I never hesitate from telling the truth. I was born in Baghdad, Iraq. Arabic is my language, my mother tongue. And uh, when I, my, my parents sent me to Europe to study, and while I was in Europe, I was able to access uh, libraries which contained books that were prohibited in, in the Middle East. So when I, I wanted to check the verses that are in the Quran pertaining to the Bible, whether they are the same as in the Bible. And to my shock, they were not. They were completely different. And not only different, but they had no association with reality. For example, they speak about Moses. The Quran speaks about Moses. It doesn't tell you in which country he was born and what he did. All it says, he is a prophet. The same thing with Jesus. It doesn't tell you where he was born, how he was born. Oh, yes, they know he was born of a virgin. But it doesn't tell you anything behind, beyond these points. All it says, he is a Muslim prophet, by the way. He's a Muslim prophet. Are you, are you with me now? Muslim, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Moses was a Muslim. Abraham was a Muslim. All the Hebrew prophets were Muslims, according to the Quran. I know it's very confusing. I ask Muslims, how is it possible they are Muslims before Muhammad? And they are floored. They don't know how to answer. And yet the answer is simple. Muslim means, in the Arabic language, Islam means submission to the will of a God. One God, by the way. Only one, not multiples. Moses believed in one God, obviously. Abraham believed in one God. All the disciples believed in one God. All the followers of Moses believed in one God. So from translating it, it from the Arabic language, all of them are Muslims because they only believe nothing to do with Muhammad. This is the confusion. Islam is submission to the will of one God. It has nothing to do with Muhammad or Jesus or Moses. If you believe in one God, it is Islam. Now, the Quran says that, uh, the, that Allah, the God of Muhammad, is the same as the God of the Bible. This is the greatest travesty ever perpetrated upon the human consciousness. The first verse of the Quran, 
the first revelation of the Quran says, اقرأ بسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق. I'm translating it now to English. Thank you. <coughs> it means recite or read in the name of your Lord, the one who created man from a leech or a clot, blood clot. I know, I know, I know. That's exactly what it means. Al-alaq in the Arabic language, you can, by the way, people can Google everything I'm telling them while I'm talking to you. Google it. Alaq, A-L-A-Q, will tell you. It means either a leech or the blood clot. Please do it while I'm talking to you. A-L-A-Q, Arabic. Yeah, definitely doing it. Wow, yeah, okay. So when I feel these things, I don't exaggerate and I don't pervert, I don't have to, because the truth is infinitely worse than all the imaginations you can possibly imagine. Okay, so how is it possible? If Allah is the same as the God of the Bible, he is telling or misleading Muhammad with such a lie. And in fact, not a lie, stupid. How could a creature create an item which is dead? A blood clot is a dead element. Right. How can it create anything? And if it's a leech, how could a leech create a humanity? The Bible says human, human beings, not the animals, were created from the dust of the earth and God breathed life into it. Right. So how is it possible that Allah is the same as the God of the Bible? This is only the first verse of the, of the Quran. Now, I can give you 30 items in the Quran that decimate the Quran completely. 30 items, each one of them as deadly as what I just told you. Another one, the Quran says that Jesus did not die on the cross, a lookalike died on the cross. So in one microsecond, the Quran destroys Christianity completely because without death and resurrection, there is no Christianity. There is no purpose in Christianity. Another question, how is it possible that God could tell Muhammad when all four Gospels tell you, all four of them agree on this, that he died on the cross, resurrected on the third day. I, well, you know, we can go on, I'm telling you, two or three hours from your time. <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the uh, alak. Uh, alak. Alak. Yes, alak. Yes, yes, yes. That's, I'm that's, telling you, hmm. you ask any imam to explain it, they blow their brains, they cannot explain it. It's impossible. You can't explain it away. The first verse of revelation that Muhammad received was a lie. Everything else was lies. Everything in the Quran are lies. I mean it, literally. If you compare them to the biblical verses or to the New Testament, they're all completely different, complete lies. For example, another one. Quran says that Adam and Eve were thrown out thrown down from heaven to earth because of their transgression. Because the Quran believes that the Garden of Eden was in heaven. The Bible says, no, they were thrown out of the Garden of Eden on earth. Are you confused? Um, is, is, Shouldn't is, be, I'll tell you. <laughs> when you. If you imagine Adam and Eve were in heaven, of mm. course, they would fall down to earth, obviously. Right. So the Quran would be correct in that sense. But the Quran is wrong because the, the Bible says they were chucked out of the uh, Garden of Eden on earth. 
And where was the Garden of Eden? In Iraq, in my country, by the way. Yeah. Between the Tigris, Euphrates, and two other rivers. Yeah. In my country. Yeah. So I can go on for another 30 of them, one after the other. What I did, it was simple, really very simple. I took the verses that pertain to the, uh, to the Bible in the Quran and compared them to the biblical version. Simple. But nobody else did that before me. Interesting. This, wow, this is, huh. <laughs> it's my, it's, I'm telling you, it's mind-blowing. I'm not kidding with you. I'm not, I'm not saying it to brag or boast. Nothing I say is for bragging and boasting. Everything I say is based on the truth. Now, you... we, we wanted to discuss Afghanistan, but let me tell you this before we start. Hmm. What is most important of all is for Americans to understand why Afghanistan and other Muslim countries such as Iraq, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, etc., have been graveyards for the British, Russians, and Americans. I shall share with you the following facts based entirely upon the Islamic sources that not many Americans have been made aware of by their extremely incompetent mainstream media. No matter how outrageous and or unconventional my conclusions may sound to politically correct dimwits, I stand unflinchingly by them and challenge anyone to prove me wrong in a debate. About 500 years BC, a Chinese strategist and an author of his monumental book called The Art of War came to the following devastatingly simple conclusions. He said, in 100 battles, if one knows oneself and his enemy, he will win each and every single one. If one knows only himself, but not the enemy, he will only 50%. But if he does not know neither oneself nor the enemy, he will lose each and every single battle. It should be therefore very obvious that most Western leaders, whether in Europe or the USA, have not actually read, let alone studied Muhammad's Quran to fathom the mindset of Muslims. Therefore, they lost every time and they will continue to do so. Dear listeners, contrary to all the hogwash you are told by your criminally negligent and clueless leaders in the media, academia, politicians and clergy, and the useful morons for apologists of Islam, there is no such thing as a moderate, militant, extremist, or radical Muslims, since every single Sharia compliant Muslim must obey their ungodly Allah's dictates to be forever at war, jihad, with all non-Muslims, until either all of humanity submits to Sharia or is exterminated. This is not my language. This is the Quranic language. And again, I challenge any listener to have the audacity to prove me wrong. For example, ISIS in Iraq and Syria, Al-Qaeda, Boko Haram in Nigeria and Mali, Al-Shabaab in Somalia, Hamas in Gaza, Hezbollah in Lebanon, and, Tal and Taliban in Afghanistan, the Muslim Brotherhood in the USA and Europe, and most of the Arab world, plus hundreds more around the globe, each and every which one of them quotes verbatim verses from Muhammad's Quran to justify their dastardly terrorist deeds. That means they are fully abiding by Allah's Sharia. Therefore, 
They are fundamentalists. And threatening them with death and destruction is not only idiotic and insane, it is totally laughable because this is exactly what the jihadists are looking forward to, to die as martyrs for the sake of Allah. In perfectly clear Arabic, it means qital fi sabilullah. In a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen, according to the dictates of Islamic Sharia, every single Sharia compliant Muslim on earth is automatically the eternal and mortal enemy of every human being on the planet who is not a Muslim. Currently, 80% of humanity comprising Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, Jews, pagans, agnostics, and others, whom the Muslims insultingly call kuffar, infidels. When rational Americans absorb the enormity of what I am sharing with you, 50% of the battle is already won. What remains is to have the fearlessness, backbone, and unflinching determination to save our future generations from the curse of Islam by totally banning Sharia, which is the nemesis of every type of human freedom known to mankind from ever taking root in our countries. Back to you, sir. Wow, that's a lot to unpack and digest. Um, <laughs> let, let me ask you this, because let me try to play uh, devil's advocate, because I'm sure there's, there are those who are listening who, uh, who are probably angry at some of the things you said and some who are just uh, a little confused about a few things. Um, does what you're saying apply to every single Muslim? Because there are Muslims out there, some that I know who pretty much are patriotic, at least uh, seem to be patriotic to me, or they are uh, come across as nice people, tolerant, uh, moderate. Maybe they, they are not wearing a full hijab or like that. They're sort of what some would call Americanized, Muslims, I guess, in a sense. So is there a distinction between the ones, uh, between the uh, those of the Islamic faith who are not as extreme as the, as the way we think of extremists, uh, say, in Afghanistan versus uh, the ones that are not, like those that are here, maybe in the UK? Okay. Is there a difference? The point, yeah, there is a huge Seems difference like if you are a Muslim. Okay. You are looking at it from the Western point of view of so-called moderate not Sharia compliant, and none. from the Muslim point of view, if you are not a jihadi Muslim, that means if you don't support the jihad, you are not a Muslim, you are an apostate to Islam, you are an outsider to Islam. You've got to look at it from the point of view of Islam, not the point of view of the Western mind. This is why you lose every time if you keep look, looking at it from Western mind. For example, you're a nice guy, you're a nice Muslim, ask him a simple question. Very simple. According to Sharia, according to your holy book, what do you call me? Take yourself, for example, Jim. Mm. You go to your neighbor and ask him, simple. Ask him, you're a Muslim. According to your holy book, what am I considered? As a Christian or an, a Jew or an, as a non-Muslim? You have to tell you, tell you that you are an, a, a kafir, an infidel. If he's an honest person, he will tell you you're an infidel. Because that's what the Quran says. Hmm. Yeah. And beat around the bush. Either way, you will know that he doesn't mean he's not sincere. Either way. As I said, it's a simple question. According to your own book, what am I considered? 
Okay, so let's say that uh, by the book, I am a kafir or an infidel. What okay. does the destiny, Muslim faith say? That, kafir? Yeah, so what's supposed to happen to me? Yeah, simple, because the answer is already there. As a kafir, you have two choices. Submit to Sharia or be killed. That's it. Okay. This is not my words. I know, look, as I said at the beginning of my talk, it sounds outrageous. Okay, I accept that. But as outrageous as it is, when you read the Quran, it is infinitely more outrageous than what I'm talking about. Infinitely more. There are 140 chapters in the Quran. My advice to Americans is very simple. Don't waste your time buying the Quran. Google it. Don't waste time reading 114 chapters. Read chapters 2 to chapter 9, inclusive. Seven, eight, that's it, eight chapters. Two to nine, and your hair will turn white. Huh. So when um, I hear Muslims claim that Islam is a religion of peace and love, uh, are, are, are they lying to the non-Muslim of course world? Lying. I'll tell you what. If you can show me a single peaceful verse in the Quran towards non-Muslims, I will pay you $100,000. <laughs> I can afford it, too. I may take that challenge. Say, this, say that challenge again. because I'll say it share. again, but I'll say it in a different way. Okay. If there's any human being listening here who can show me a single operative verse in Muhammad's Quran that shows any compassion and mercy towards unbelievers, I will pay them $200,000. Wow. Wow. Strong statement. Okay. By the way, there are 6,000, over 6,200 verses in the Quran. So you have a huge choices. I will pay you $200,000 if you find the verse. You can't find it. It doesn't exist. Has, has there, to your knowledge, has there been a period of history um, where there's been uh, a peaceful coexistence but, between Muslim sorry, and non-Muslim? Jim, I've been yeah. on. My interview with you is 1,848. <laughs> okay. 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 My articles are on the internet and my books are on the, in, in, on the Amazon. And I had interviews from here to eternity. As I said, 1,848. I've had one and a half million dollars worth of challenges, not 200,000. One and a half million dollars worth of challenges in the last 14 years. I haven't lost a dime. And no Muslim was able to come and confront me. They refused to come to the talk shows. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh... Wow. By the way, these challenges, these money challenges are, mm. are not for fun. They mean something. What they mean is this. I'm willing to sacrifice a lot of money to back up what I'm saying. All you have to do is prove me wrong or prove me I'm perverting the Quran. It cannot be done because I don't have to pervert the Quran. The beauty of what I do is I do it according to the Quran, according to scripture of Muslims. I don't deviate. I quote in chapter and verse, item by item, exactly as the Quran says it. So how can you prove me wrong? It's impossible. This is interesting from so many different perspectives. Uh, what initially comes to mind, I'm, I'm thinking of, of Afghanistan, and I'm thinking of how so many um, Afghan refugees are being brought here to the United States. Correct. And many of them are, are Muslim, I believe, uh, Islam. Is no, a, they are entirely Muslim. Entirely Muslim. Okay, that being said, 
especially in light of what you said. Uh, do you think that these uh, Muslim immigrants will ever assimilate into American no. culture? No, I'll tell you why. This is the beauty of what I'm telling you. The Quran forbids it. It per- forbids Quran, assimilation? Of course, the Quran forbids any Muslim from being subservient and under rule of a Christian, a Jew, a Hindu, or a Buddhist, any non-Muslim. I don't say that. The Quran says that. I know you don't believe it, but it's there. Hmm. Hmm. For example, chapter 2, Al-Baqarah. I'm giving you name, and you can Google it. Chapter 2, Al-Baqarah, verse 256. Google it now. Literally, Google it. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Verse 256. I put 2.256. Quran. Okay. I'm Googling as we speak live, (laughs) so to speak here. What does it say? Uh, Surat al-Baqarah. Al-Baqarah, yeah. The Noble Quran. Uh, Let me click on this link here. It's where it takes me to. And it says, there shall be... Jihad is mandated on you. Say again? Jihad is mandated upon you. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, there, there shall be no compulsion in acceptance of... No, there should be no compulsion in the religion. The right course has become No, no, clear. no, that's not the one. Two, is that 256? Yeah, Surat al-Baqarah 2256. The Sahih no, international version. I got, I got the wrong one then. It must be 253 or 254. Because this is the verse which comes afterwards. Okay. Let, let me find it. Okay. Look at 253 or something. Okay, I'll look at 253. Uh, among them were those who whom Allah spoke, and He raised some of them in degree. And we gave Jesus, the Son of Mary, clear proofs, and we supported Him with pure spirit. If Allah had willed, those generations succeeding them would not have fought each other after the clear proofs had come yeah, to yeah. them. That's the other one. Sorry, I worry. Yeah. No, no worries. No worries. No, I worry because I caught it the wrong one. No. <laughs> By the way, the one you're talking about, read it again. I will tell you how strong how wrong it is. Uh, the, one, uh, the one I just read just now? Yeah, 256. Read it again. Oh, 256. Okay, let me go back to it. Uh, okay, there should be no compulsion in the religion. The right course has become clear from the wrong. So whoever disbelieves in Tagut and believes in Allah has grasped the most trustworthy handhold with no break in it. And Allah is hearing and knowing. Okay, question. Hmm. If there is no compulsion in religion, why do Muslims murder people who leave Islam? Simple question. Always my questions are the deadliest. Why? Because they are the simplest. Any Muslim who leaves Islam is mandated to be murdered. Every Muslim who left Islam was murdered. So if, if someone is, is Muslim and they marry a Christian woman and they convert to Christianity, uh, they no, would no. be... That would, no, no. They would die? I mean, they would be... No, 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 no. If you happen? are a Muslim okay, and you want to leave Islam to go to become a Christian, they'll kill you. Well, okay. If you are a Muslim, not a Christian. Hmm. Only hmm. This, uh, this, is, this is an instruction for Muslims. A Christian can become a Muslim, no problem. But a Muslim, if he wants to leave Islam, will be murdered. Wow. And yeah. that's what that's what you it says in the you, you in didn't Quran. know that? 
No, I did. No, I did not know that. No. Good God, the standard in all madahab. That madahab means in all texts of Islam, all four of them. Mm. They tell you if you leave Islam, you have to be killed. Now, tell me, where is no compulsion in religion there? How does that apply? Uh, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. Listen. I have not heard this. I mean, I, I knew that. Google it. By the way, just Google it. Apostasy in Islam. Okay, hold on. Because this brings, this brings to mind other questions I've had uh, about the faith that I've heard, and uh, maybe I wasn't curious, curious enough to research it. But let me ask you this: while while I while I look this up, is it true that the, um, the Prophet Muhammad um, had child brides, like he married children? Is that no, true? He married only one. Okay. He didn't marry her. He raped her. There's a difference between the words. In the Arabic language of Muhammad, at the time of Muhammad, which is 7th century Arabia, it says nakahaha, meaning he had sex with her. That doesn't mean marriage. Marriage is zawaj. Arabic, you can Google it again. Zawaj is, zawaj means two, a combination of two people. Zawaj is marriage. Nikah means sex. Wow. Nakahaha means he... Excuse my language. I don't want to use it on, on your show. What do you use in America? Uh, you can say it's raped, I guess. Yeah, raped. Yeah. yeah, but there is another one which is uh, more derogatory, but nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, the F word. Yeah, I yes, got you. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what it means. How, how can someone who is the uh, looked at as the cornerstone of that faith, a religious holy man. I mean, was that before he found God and he changed from his ways? No, or? no, no, no. That's after, he, after, he, after he said that he is a Rasulullah, means he is a prophet of Allah. You've got to understand this. Allah is not the same as the God of the Bible. So I don't care what Muhammad said. Allah is not the same as the God of the Bible. Then it could have been Satan who was revealing everything to him. How do we know? How do we know? Hmm. How does anybody know? Nobody ever saw Muhammad talk to the angel Gabriel, nor anybody heard Muhammad and the angel Gabriel to each, talk to each other. So for 1,400 years, humanity had only the word of a man called Muhammad that he was receiving uh, verses from Allah through and the angel called Jibril, which they say is the same as Gabriel. It's falsehoods upon falsehoods upon falsehoods. It's like an onion. It doesn't matter how many skins you take, it still stinks. Uh, to get back to your earlier point about uh, apostasy, I, I looked up some verses here. Let me sort of read them out to you. Um, it says here, one is Sahih Bukhari 89-271. A man who embraces Islam then reverts to G.A. A man who embraces Islam, then reverts to Judaism, is to be killed according to the verdict Thank of you. Allah and his apostle. You see, you see the beauty of this, this program is you are doing it exactly as I'm asking you to do it, and you're finding it to be true. So I'm not misleading anybody. Wow. That's... It's nothing to do with Judaism. They hate Christianity as much as they hate Judaism. They hate Hindus even more. Why Hindus more? 
because Hindus have got 700 gods and goddesses. So the more gods and goddesses you have, the more they hate you. But they hate you anyway. And that, that's something I, okay, that's something else I'm for me with. I, I, I understood or I know how uh, a lot of um, is, uh, Islamists hate Christianity um, for that. For, I think that's, um, I understand, understand that. The Hindu thing, though, why, I'm sorry, not why really... Do you understand it? Why? why do you understand? Why do they hate them? My understanding is that, and I might be wrong, uh, so please correct me. My understanding is that it, it essentially comes down to a fight over the promised land that uh, Jacob believes uh, Abraham, passed it on, Abraham passed it on to Jacob. Isaac. A, to to Isaac. Isaac. Isaac, yeah. Isaac, as opposed to his other son, who he had through Ishmael, ma- Ishmael, Ishmael. through uh, his maid, Sarah. No, Sarah was wife, through his maid. So um, they're fighting over the promised land, pretty much. Well, the promised land doesn't belong to Islam. Never did. Did right. you know that Jerusalem is not mentioned anywhere in the Quran? That who? Who was not mentioned? Jerusalem. The name Jerusalem. Hmm. I didn't now, know if that. it was so important to Islam, you would have found it in the Quran. But the word Jerusalem does not exist in the Quran. Not once. In the Bible, it is 667 times. So hmm. tell me, who is more? Why, then why... Um... Is there an ulterior, ulterior reason? Of course, of course. As far as, as far as Islam is concerned, any country which was subjugated by Islam must belong to Islam forever. Wow. I this, know. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> this is, I'm not, okay, this is interesting here. Yes, from the beginning, I told you, mm. this is a remarkable subject. This is a fantastic subject that nobody will bring to your attention. Because for politically correct reasons and utter stupidity. And yet it is the deadliest re- reason why we should talk about it. So let me, let, let, me this, let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this real quick, because this is on my mind a lot, too. So I see a lot of different approaches in how to deal with um, uh, Muslims in the, in the Middle East from a uh, White House perspective. So I know that um, Obama sought to appease them with uh, financial aid, dropping pallets of cash. He was a Muslim. Obama was a Muslim. Well, Obama is a Muslim. I've heard uh, people say that, but uh, is there no, proof no, no, of no, that? Because no, 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 no. he'll say he's Christian. It doesn't matter what he says. He spent 20 to 30 years going to a church which hates whites, hates Muslim, uh, Christians, and hates Jews. So he didn't learn anything in 20 years. In 20 years, all he was being told is to hate. To hate America, to hate Christianity, and to hate white people. Uh, I think it was Pastor White. Yeah, Reverend, was, uh, Reverend Wright. It doesn't matter. Pastor, Reverend, okay, same. Whatever it is, mm. okay? On his passport from Indonesia, it says Muslim. Muslim, not passport. In fact, he had a, a, a school... Uh, document. It says Muslim. I'm not creating these. I'm not inventing these things. Google it. You'll find it. It says Muslim. So whether he denies it or not is irrelevant. The first thing he did, he went on a tour of apologies, groveling to Islam. Why? Why did he do that? Why did he say, 
Muslims contribute to America? In what way, shape, or form did Muslims contribute to America? When the first enemies of America, of the Republic, were the Muslim pirates of North Africa. Tell me, how? They captured hundreds of thousands of Americans and made them into slaves. These are not my propaganda. By the way, you're a black guy. Mm -hmm. How much do you know about Islam and African slavery? I know it still goes on today. I know it was going on for several centuries. I know that a lot of the um, North Africans, uh, many of them who were, who were Muslims, um, enslaved several, a lot of Italians, uh, a lot of white people uh, in the 16 and 1700s. So they were enslaving know? whites long before. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. For the Arabs to sell 14 million living blacks to the white slavers right. waiting on the west coast of America, to the Americas, not only North America. By the way, the American Republic received only 5% of the slaves. Right. Only 5%. The remainder went to the Caribbean and Latin America. Yep. 140 million blacks in the heart of Africa were destroyed and murdered. By whom? by Arab Muslims and blacks who converted to Islam. It's not my propaganda, this is a fact. And I'm talking only about the, the number of blacks who were murdered to supply the Americas. I'm not talking about the ones who were supplying the, the east coast of Africa, in Zanzibar, in Tanzania, what we call today. The slaughter of black people, why? A black man in America, a black man in the Arabic language is called Abd, Abd, A-B-D. Google it. A-B-D, Abd. See what it means. A-B-D. D for David. Okay. Uh, searching that now. My internet's a little slow for some reason. Maybe because That's okay. <laughs> we have time. Okay, um, I'm getting different things. I'm getting different. I'm getting androids. Maybe that's another term. I can. I'm getting a lot of different types of uh, results that I don't think are related to what you're talking about. So okay. I should put ABD and um, Quran or something or Islam. No, ABD and slavery. Oh, and slavery. Okay. Oh. Ah, go on. Okay. Um, I'm going to quote the first thing that pops up here. What does it say? ABD, black slave. In Islam, all human beings are slaves, a bead of Allah. The relationship between Allah and humanity is like that of a master and his slaves. It is based on fear of Allah and not on love. In the Arabic language, even before Muhammad, the word slave, ABD, was and still is associated with Black Africans. Thank you. Thank you. In the Arabic language, abd, A-B-D, means a slave and a Black slave. The white slaves were called mamalik, mamluk. So I'm trying to explain to the American people the difference. So abd is specifically for Africans. They consider them as subhuman. This is not exaggeration. This is fact. And if you read 
the sources of Islam will tell you, as far as the Arabs were concerned, the blacks were like donkeys. I'm not exaggerating, by the way. I don't exaggerate. I'm telling you the truth, and you check it, and you Google it, you'll find it to be true. What I'm telling you is shocking, because you never heard these things before. Nobody ever told you these things before. Black lives don't, black lives matter, don't know shit about this. Huh. And if they did, they kept their mouth shut. The, oh, most, wow. the most systematic is industrialized slavery was created by Islam against the black people. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm speechless here. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> but this is wow. Jim, you, you will need to have another week off before we can talk again. <laughs> I'll have to go to therapy uh, after this. So the Muslims who captured slaves and sold them to the white slavers, yes. they saw their fellow blacks as subhuman. Yes, they because they're not Muslim. Because anybody not Muslim. Muslim is a kafir and the kafir is subhuman. Is it possible then that the racism that whites had towards blacks back then, was it perhaps started? by Muslims who saw well, blacks as subhuman? I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. You, okay. you figure it out. It should be easy. If, huh. the, if the Muslims treated them as nothing, as not a human beings, how do you expect the white man to treat them any better? But by the way, the white man did treat them better because the white man wanted them to do the work. So the slaves that went to America were allowed to procreate and fa have families. But in Islam, the black women who were raped and they gave birth, they killed the children. Oh, my God. Wow. Did you know they used to have tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of slaves, black slaves in the military? They castrated them. They castrated them? Yep. Because according to, to the Arabs and Islam at the time, that uh, the black person has an insatiable uh, appetite for sex. <laughs> Look, we're not talking about rational thinking. We're talking about facts of and reality. Whether it fits in with today's mentality is irrelevant because I am looking at it from the point of view of that time. You can't project it into the future and then claim, ah, it's racism. You stupid animals that we have now, woke people. What they think they are intelligent, they're not intelligent. What they're trying to do is Ah, he was a racist. Well, of course he was a racist. Seven, 300, 400 years ago, everybody was a racist. But you can't project it to the future and use your morality today and speak about what happened 300, 400 years ago and equate them. But that's what they're doing, the woke people. You know, this is what's destroying America from within. Forget about the Taliban. You're self-destructing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, another question from my list here, because uh, while wow, my mind is blown here. Because um, this is because in a way you could say the origins of racism in our country uh, could be traced back to Muslims in Africa, which is really bizarre when you think about it, because a lot of things you talked about, Blacks being subhuman, um, Black people having a super strong sex drive, uh, 
and what you didn't mention, but that's that's part of it. Uh, black women being uh, promiscuous or thought of to be promiscuous back then. These are attitudes that white people had that perhaps were passed down from Muslims that's who are black. White people were not in Africa. The white people did not go into the heart of Africa to take the blacks out. You've got right. to understand this. This is so important. It was the black Africans who converted to Islam and specifically the Arabs who went into the heart of Africa, murdered as much, whatever they wanted, raped whatever they wanted, and took whoever they wanted to sell them to the white people. The ones who survived the trek from the heart of Africa and the, they survived the three months trip between West Africa to America. They were the luckiest people on earth. Mm. They ended up in America and the United States. Mm. True, they were treated as slaves, but they were not treated in the sense of subhuman. A slave labor. But in Islam, it's a different story. Wow. Wow. Um... True, true or false question, because I, I see something here on my screen that, that's jumping out at me. This thing called uh, taqiyya. 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 Yeah. I'll tell you what it is. Yeah, tell me taqiyya what that is. is. Taqiyya is the ability for a Muslim to, sub, to deceive a non-Muslim. Taqiyya is subterfuge. For example, a Muslim is not allowed to drink wine. He's not allowed to eat pork. But for as long as his purpose is to deceive the Christian or the Jew or the Hindu or the Buddhist, he is allowed to do that because in his heart of hearts, which is inside his brain, his attempt is to bring Sharia about. Jim, the single purpose for every Muslim on the planet, the single purpose of in life for every single Muslim on the planet is to bring Sharia to dominate the world. Do you understand this simple statement I made? Yes. That's the only purpose they have in life. I'll tell you, there are 57 Muslim-majority states in the world with 1,500 million people. They are the least productive, least inventive, least creative in human history. And I dare, any, I dare anybody listening to me to try to prove me wrong, because I can destroy them in 60 seconds. In fact, hmm. in less than 60 seconds. All of this is new to me to the point where I don't know what to say <laughs> to a lot of it. Look, um, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. Honestly, I'm not surprised. I've been doing this for 30 years. And when I talk to Christians or Jews, yeah. their mind blows. They can't believe it. But they're not willing to go and study it. This is what drives me crazy. Okay, don't believe me. I tell you, I didn't, I didn't I tell you, believe me. I said, go and, think, go and Google it. What did I do? I said, go and Google it. I didn't say, believe me. Right. I said, go and Google it to prove my point. But they're not even willing to study it. They're not willing to research it. They're not willing to do anything. Oh, hey, you have an enemy who wants you dead. You, your children and your grandchildren have no future. I'm not kidding with you. Well, let me ask you this, because let me ask you this then in, 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 in response to that. There are a lot of, of uh, Muslim migrants in Europe right now uh, and, more to, and, yeah, more, yeah. and more to come. Yeah. Uh, are they following up? 
Yeah, are they swallowing up Europe in your opinion right now? Correct, correct. Within 30 years, Europe will not be Christian. Within 30 years. And I'll tell you for two reasons. And again, you can Google it. Okay? Two reasons. The Christians of Europe are not producing enough to generate future generations. Google it. You need 2.11 children, 2.11 to have a, a, a level of reproduction that the society will continue. Mm -hmm. Anything below 1.9 becomes practically irreversible. In Europe, it's 1.7. 1.7, that means 1.7 children per family. The Muslims are five, six per family. Wow. Yeah, look, it's the, the figures are there. Speak about demography in any country in Europe. Speak about reproduction in Europe. Reprodu in America, by the way, you're not doing any better. You're in 1.7. Let me let me quote. I'm going to quote this. Uh, this is an article I found here from the American Thinker, and I'll link to it in the podcast description for those who may want to check it out. I got some of my questions from them. It says here, um, if any more proof of the danger of Islam to our society and cultures needed, look no further than the downward spiral of Europe. Growing problems caused by Muslims in France, Italy, Belgium, Holland, Germany, Sweden, and Britain continue to be well documented. The Muslim takeover of Britain is so far along that I fear that only a bloody civil war could reverse the tide. Douglas Murray has spelled this out in detail in his book, The Strange Death of Europe. After 25 years of intense Muslim immigration, Britain features 3,000 mosques, 130 Sharia courts, huh, that's interesting, 50 Muslim Sharia councils, and dozens of no-go zones where Muslim Sharia patrols ensure that no one disobeys Sharia law. Something else that just blew my mind there. So, in in if I'm reading this correctly, then then in Europe they have, I guess, regular law, and they have Sharia law, and the Muslims are following Sharia law, but not following the law of the land. I told you they cannot assimilate. They will never integrate. It's impossible. They are prohibited. You've got to get it through. I tell Americans, not you, with all due respect, sure. the ones on the radio, other talk shows, get it through your thick head. They cannot, it's not because they don't want to, it's they are not allowed to. The Quran forbids it. So if you are a Sharia compliant person, a person who believes in Islam, how can you break the rule? Okay, that, okay now I'm in a quandary here. All right, so this, this, is, this is what I'm trying to reconcile in my mind here. All right, I'm wondering, do, now a lot of this is new to me, of course I'm Christian, so I didn't grow up in the faith. Um, I'm wondering how many, one, Muslims know this, two, how many are Sharia compliant, and three, if they are Sharia compliant, and by that, and by the Quran, they're allowed to lie to people who are Kafirs, infidels, not Muslims, how can we trust people uh, who have this faith? This is kind of weird to me. Uh, I think it's weird. Me, because I, I know people who are the faith, who, who, far as I know, haven't done anything wrong or, or don't have, they you know, bombs strapped to their back or anything like that? Jim, they don't have to kill you. All they have to do is support the others who are going to kill you. You see, there are three, two types of jihad. Warfare jihad, 
which is the suicide bombers. And there's silent jihad. The silent jihad is the people who will support them with money, with intelligence, with indoctrination, and with propaganda. These are the everyday Muslims. They don't have to carry a gun or a stab you in the back. They don't have to. They are leaving it to the other guy to do that for you. Are you with me? Yes. It's called stealth jihad. I don't know if you heard that before. No. Well, learn it. Stealth jihad, which is called civil jihad. Civil means, look, you have a woman called Linda Sarsour. You heard of her? No. Okay. She loves Sharia. She ex loves Sharia. She tells you she loves Sharia. When somebody loves Sharia, they cannot ever be loyal citizens in America or Europe. It's impossible. They can't. You can't be both a good Sharia compliant Muslim and a loyal citizen in America. It cannot be done. It's an, oxy it's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. And $500,000 says I'm right. Not 200,000, 500,000. Any takers? The reward keeps going up. Um, hey, listen, how can I lose? I can't lose. I can't lose. It's impossible. Talk, talk to me about, because this is uh, something, another uh, quandary here. Uh, here in the States, we have, and in other countries, we have this um, phenomenon called feminism where women about equal rights and, and not gonna understand and agree with it to a, to a certain degree. Uh, women should have equal right, equal pay and that kind of thing. Uh, but it seems like in the Muslim faith that is antithetical to that kind of thinking that women can't drive cars in Saudi Arabia, at least they couldn't for a while, or they couldn't vote or they have to wear a hijab. Um, how- Hijab. Hijab, hijab. yeah, forgive me, uh, hijab. How the how do you think feminists reconcile the fact that women of the Islamic faith have to wear a hijab and they have to do other things that are antithetical to the feminist movement? And if yeah, with all due respect, that. you don't have a feminist movement. You have crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I tell you why. No, but, I, I, but I'm explaining to you. Look, I'm not okay. an American citizen. I live in Europe, and I look at America and Europe and try to figure out what's happening. Okay. Feminists in America can burn their underwear, their bras, and they put vaginas on their head and, and demonstrate, knowing full well, nobody will hurt them. Okay. In Islam, the female of the human species, are you with me? I the am. female of the human species is only one little step, step up the ladder of evolution than domestic animals. $200,000 says nobody can dispute me. Already I've got a million now. And, and, that, is in the, and that is in the Quran that women are just that a step above? That is in the above. Quran and in the Hadith. And if you take, get me on another show, I will quote you chapter and verse on every single one of them. <laughs> wow. Um, hmm. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> it's a pleasure being with you. <laughs> I think I'm at, you know what? I think I may have to stop it here because I'm going to get some therapy after this, uh, <laughs> after this conversation. But I, I, have, a, I have a guy, I, I have an interview with him every Thursday. 
American Catholic white. He says, IQ, every time I listen to you, I have to go to, to figure out whether I should live or should die. <laughs> I'm not kidding with you. I know what he means. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Wow, wow. Um, yeah. If someone wanted to get in contact with you or, or to check out your, your, your books or other uh, materials that you have, how can they find you online? Let me let me explain. Okay. I wrote my books to educate people. I don't make money out of them. I promise you I haven't made a dime. I'll spend more money publishing them than getting money out of them. My books are, they're a trilogy called Lifting the Veil, the True Faces of Muhammad and Islam. You can Google it on my website. All you have to do is Google my name, Al-Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I. You Google Al-Rasuli, you go, Google will open it. I think the first 10 pages are all in my name. And you can find everything free of charge. I don't charge you anything. All my articles are published free of charge. I can send you articles to publish on your show if you are willing. Uh, you know what? Whatever you want to share, send information, and I'll add it to the podcast description uh, to make it easier for those to, to find it. Um, one, la one last comment or question uh, before, before we head out. I have read and heard and seen videos about this uh, uh, hero, uh, as I think of him, in the UK, Tommy Robinson. He, yes. uh, are you familiar with him? Have you ever uh, 100%. met him? 100%. He's a very decent man. And by the way, Douglas Murray that you were quoting, mm. he's one of the few, the most intelligent human being in Europe. Literally, out of 330 million people in Europe, he's the most intelligent. And he predicted the fall of Europe or the destruction of Europe exactly is going to happen the way he said it. Exactly the way he said it. It's, it's frightening. Honestly, it's frightening. But people are not waking up. Short of a civil war, they're not going to wake up. Hmm. The hmm. question everybody asks me, how do we solve it? Simple. Everything I have is simple. You ban Sharia. You ban Sharia. Sharia is incompatible with, with Western civilization. Sharia is incompatible with the, is the nemesis of the American constitution. Sharia is the enemy of every Western law known to humanity. Sharia is against Judeo-Christianity. Simple, not complicated. You ban it. And if the Muslim doesn't like it, he has a choice, go to a Muslim land. Don't stay with me. I know it sounds outrageous, but I'm telling you, without doing this, you're finished. You can't win. Wow. You can't, yeah, yeah, you can't win. I'm telling you, in the long run, you can't win. They have time on their hands. They had 1,400 years. Did you know that the Arabs, the Muslims, had an empire in 100 years bigger than a Roman Empire of 1,000 years? In 100 years, they conquered a bigger empire than Rome did in a thousand years. That's a fact, by the way. Hmm. In 100 years. Hmm. They came from the Jazeera Arabia, the Arabian Peninsula. They were nomads. They had no civilization. The Arabs never had a civilization. You cannot have a civilization if you are a nomad. It's impossible. Civilization, civilization exists only when you are sedentary. When you have agriculture and you have cities and you have towns, then you can create civilization. Nomads cannot ever create civilization. And they conquered 
two of the greatest civilizations of the time, the Byzantine Christian Empire and the Zoroastrian Sassanid Empire of Persia. And then they conquered the Buddhists and the Hindus. By the way, in India, they slaughtered over 100 million people. You had 140 million in Africa, they had over 100 million in India. There is a, a, a series of mountains called the Hindu Kush. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Yes, I have. Hindu actually. Kush? Yeah. If you Google it, it will tell you slaughter of the Hindus. The Hindu Kush. And they were slaughtered because they resisted the because Islamic they are faith. Not, because, they are, because they had multiple gods. Hmm. They were kuffar. Wow. That is... Uh... Jim, I'm worried about you because I don't know if you're going to invite me again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to need therapy after this. <laughs> For sure. You raised up a lot of... <laughs> Raise up a lot of interesting points. Uh, I think you have... All I want you to do is double-check me. Honestly. Yep. yep. That's what I ask. I ask anybody. If people listening to your program want to ask questions, do me a favor. Let them ask any question. Let them email me. Arrasuli.com. IQRrasuli.com. It's, it's all in the contacts. You can have it. They can email me anytime. I will answer them. I always answer every single email no matter how outrageous maybe okay i i receive a lot of threatening ones of course death threats because of what i'm saying not because i'm lying because i'm telling the truth mm. anyway jim it's wow. been a pleasure being with you i'm sorry you are shocked <laughs> i'm gonna call my i'm gonna call a therapist right after this right after this uh but thank you so much for being on the show hopefully it will not be the last time i think you have a lot to not. say Honestly, you have a lot to say you have a lot to no, say no. next time i will come with, with chapter and verse and i'll address jihad i'll address everything one one at a time okay well so many um afghan refugees coming into the country i think this is going to be increasingly you, interesting yeah, if you Talk. don't vent them, you have a problem. You have a problem. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely agree with you there. All right, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you. You take care. You just heard the things I think about podcast. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, Jim Stroud wants to hear from you. Contact him at jimstroud at jimstroud.com. And while you're at it, share this podcast and spread the word that it's up to us to save America. Okay, okay, okay. Um, The podcast is officially over. At least it was when I was recording this. And as soon as we were done, I still had more questions for IQ Rasuli. I just could not, <laughs> could not walk away from this conversation because my mind was blown. I had not heard these type of things before. So I asked him to indulge me a few more questions, and he agreed to stay a few minutes longer <laughs> to answer a few more questions. And I think I saved the most controversial stuff, if you can believe it. <laughs> I saved the most controversial questions for the very end. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is what happened after the podcast. Okay, one one more question because I just can't resist. After all the things you said um, uh, about Sharia law compliant Muslims, and uh, well, I'll ask it this way: How many 
Muslims do you think just sort of ballpark are Sharia law compliant versus those that are not Sharia law compliant? Sharia law compliant, 80 to 85 percent. Non-Sharia compliant, 15 to 20 percent. But you've got to understand something. Every Muslim who goes to the mosque in America or a Muslim goes to the mosque in, in France or Germany or Europe, what are they being taught in the mosque? Quran. What is the Imam teaching them? Quran. What is he telling them? That you are superior to the, the people you live with. That means you Muslims are superior to the Christians, to the Jews, to the Buddhists, to the Hindus. That Islam is the most perfect religion. That Muhammad was infinitely more superior than Jesus, Moses, or Abraham. What are they teaching them? To hate you. To hate the very people who gave them shelter. The Muslims in Europe undermine Europe completely and utterly. And they never integrate. Because not, I'm not saying that. The European governments are saying that they're not integrating. How, how can one discern between a Muslim that is Sharia law compliant and one that is not Sharia law compliant? If his wife is wearing the hijab, he's Sharia law. That's it. If his wife is wearing the hijab or his daughter is wearing the hijab, he's Sharia compliant. Huh. Okay. By the way, oh, yeah, by the way, something to shock you. Okay. $200,000 says that find a single verse in the Quran mentioning the word hijab as a covering for to a woman in any way, shape, or form. $200,000. The hijab does not exist in the Quran. If hijabs do not exist in the Quran, then why are... Ah, it, it exists <laughs> in Muhammad's Sunnah. Wow. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. You see, there are two things upon which Sharia stands. One is Muhammad's Quran, and the other one is Muhammad's Sunnah. Sunnah means what Muhammad said in his lifetime, how he behaved, whom he hated, whom he loved, and why he hated, why he loved. This is the traditions about Muhammad. So between the traditions and between the Quran, these two are the pillars on which Sharia stands. So if you can't find it in the Quran, you will find it in the Sunnah. So in many cases, the Quran and the Sunnah are identical. That means Allah and Muhammad are the same. I know it's difficult, difficult to accept, I know. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think you set a record for my, for me being speechless on a podcast. I don't think I've ever been speechless before. But I think you you managed uh, that distinct honor. I, I may have to um, bring have someone to on to, to sort we of to uh, argue. You've got to come soon, so people don't forget. Honestly, yeah, uh, maybe I'll have someone coming in who could ask you more intelligent questions than I can about it because uh, I would love that. I would love that. Okay. Okay, we'll cool. Make a list of 100 questions, please. <laughs> Sir, I, well, if a name like IQ has got to be smart, right? So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir, so much for everything. Uh, thank you. Thank you. God bless everything. you. Take care.